0: We're using something called the Jesus Storybook Bible. That's kind of where we get this idea of story time. Uh, And the Jesus Storybook Bible has this uh, kind of tagline. You see it there and also painted on the wall here. Every story whispers his name. The Jesus Storybook Bible does a fantastic job of showing how Jesus is in every story that we see in the Bible. We spent all of uh, last semester in what is routinely called uh, the Old Testament, the part of the Bible before Jesus, but the Jesus story of the Bible shows us that he's in the whole thing. And if you're like, wow, the Jesus story of the Bible, they're, they're smart people to realize that. No, they just stole it from Jesus because our theme verse is John 5:39, where Jesus says the scriptures point to me. And at that point, it's, 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 it's another example of a really good idea that was Jesus's in the first place. That's just, that happens all the time. And the thing to remember about this is that the scriptures that Jesus is referring to there is the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, all the books before Jesus uh, shows up and the people he's talking to were actually kind of the Jewish religious elite. Uh, they had the entire Old Testament memorized, and he's like, "Good for you! You missed the whole point because it points to me." And so that's what we've been looking at. We are not looking at uh, stories in the Bible because I know you might think, "Come on, Donny, we're not children." No, we're looking at the story of the Bible because the whole Bible is the story of Jesus. Okay, the whole thing—that's what it's all about. Uh, Jesus is is the main character in every story and in the entire. Uh, story of the Bible. So we're going to continue that uh, tonight. I am uh, really excited to uh, to be back up here and we're going to pray and then I'll dive in. Uh, God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you uh, for mashed potatoes and gravy. Um, and God, I just thank you for each person here. I trust that you have brought the people here that you want to be here. And God, I just ask that, uh, that right now you would speak for me and just say what you want me to say, get me out of the way. And I pray that you would also allow each of us to hear what you want us to hear tonight. Uh, God, we love you. Uh, we thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. All right. Um, I realize uh, sports isn't, um, isn't everybody's thing. I'm kind of a sports enthusiast. Uh, not as much as I used to be, but I, I do still enjoy sports. But One thing I don't like is when ministers like can't use any metaphors and analogies other than sports. That's a little bit frustrating. Uh, that being said... I'm going to start with one, Um, but it's okay because if you're not a fan of sports, this analogy, or not an analogy, this information is going to be like, that's why I don't like sports. So here are some sports salaries. Now, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, soccer player, Patrick Mahomes, um, football player, just won the Super Bowl, Uh, Mike Trout, baseball, Max Verstappen races cars for a living, Um, and and Nikolai Jokic, plays uh, basketball. Now, so Patrick Mahomes and Cristiano Ronaldo both have contracts in excess of half a billion, the B dollars total. That's insane. I'll just say, I think it is. Okay, I don't, I'm just, and what it's, that's just, that seems crazy to a lot of folks. Seems crazy to me, too. Yes, those people make a lot of money for the people that write in their checks. We're going to get to that in a second. And I used to say something like, nobody's worth that. But here's the thing. It's not my money. They're not worth that to me, for sure. And even if they were, it wouldn't matter. Can we take that down, Rob? It's just making me sick. Um, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> um, maybe you've probably heard the expression, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, worth is in the eye of the check writer. And if you're like, what's a check? Okay, the person's sending the Venmo. I mean, whatever. Um, but worth is determined by if, if you think it's worth it to you. Like, I mean, you ever, no, no pointing or elbowing, ever know a friend who paid way too much for tickets to an event? Just like, don't nobody stop looking around. Have you ever been the person who you thought paid way too, but it wasn't too much money if it was worth it to you? Okay, and it's not just about money. Sometimes it's about time. I mean, have you ever spent way too much time working on something? If you ask somebody else, but you're like, no, it was worth it to me. I once drove five hours round trip for hamburgers. Yeah. I'm, so here's a here's story. I was, I was an undergrad uh, living in my apartment on Baxter Street. Super sketchy place, but that's okay. And I woke up on a Saturday with spring semester. I know that because I turned on Sports Center, not College Game Day. That's how I knew I can remember it was spring semester. And so I'm eating my lucky charms like I did on Saturdays because I was in college and didn't have anything else to do. Because um, Georgia was so much easier then. Um, <laughs> and I was like, these lucky charms are not hitting the spot. Man, some Jack's hamburgers would hit the spot. Now nobody in here except for Andrew knows what Jack's hamburgers are. There's these hamburgers down in Dublin, Georgia, where my parents are both from and Andrew's from. And they're the same size as Crystals, but that's where the comparison ends, because they're far superior. They're just spectacular. So I get in my little Ford Ranger truck about 10:30 Saturday morning, drive two and a half-ish hours down to Dublin, pull into a parking place right in front of Jack's, which is roughly this wide. Like literally. Now, you should know that at the time, I had two sets of aunts and uncles and a grandmother living in Dublin, and I did not go to see them. Um, (laughs) None of the five of them know that story. Well, I guess my grandmother does now because she's watching this from heaven, so sorry, Granny. Um, But um, yeah, I pulled in, I ordered 24 and two cans of Coke, walked to my truck, got in it, and by the time I got back to my apartment on Baxter Street, they were all gone. And now I have ulcerative colitis. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> that part I just thought of. Um, <laughs> shoot there. Um, that that sounds, I, mean, I get it, y'all. That sounds crazy, but it wasn't to me at the time. Will I do that now? No, it's not worth it to me now. It was absolutely worth it to me then. Uh, and that's a question that we find ourselves asking a lot is it worth it to me? And that's our question for tonight. Uh, if, if you haven't been here much this year, uh, or if this is your first time, you may not know that. I, I like asking questions. I don't like leaving us with a, a final statement because I think questions stick better. And I always make it a first-person question because um, you asking yourself a question is going to impact you more than me asking you a question. So that's why it's always a first-person question. I think this question... Provides a really useful lens to look at something tonight that, honestly, I've talked about before, but we're going to change the lens a little bit. And I hope that tonight will be helpful to see this topic that, again, I've talked about before in a less intimidating way. And so we're going to do that by looking at a story uh, in the Bible tonight where someone, or two someones, do something that looks probably insane to everybody around them. Uh, But the person in each of these stories asked, is it worth it to me? And they decided it was. Uh, now, I'm going to start off uh, actually with the, with the Bible account. And then we'll get to the Jesus story Bible account in just a second. But I want to start off with these because it's, it's two sh- super short uh, little stories. But pretty obvious to see where we're headed with this once we read this. So it's going to be Matthew 13, uh, 44 through 46. It'll be up behind me. Uh, all right, here we go. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So the tense is different for the two stories for whatever reason, but both cases, a man sells everything he has, bless you, to buy one other thing. He sells everything he has to buy one other thing, which is crazy. I mean, this just seems absolutely just like a terrible, awful decision. Like, if, if this guy went... I'm going to ask you all to actually answer a question here in case the mashed potatoes are hitting. Um, if this man goes to his friends and family and is like, found this treasure, found this pearl, whatever... I'm going to sell everything I have to get it. You're his friends and family. How do you respond to that? I can't say that word. So, okay. <laughs> so you call him names. Supportive. <laughs> Why is it so special? Why is it so special, okay? I asked I'd be mean, like, "What are you <laughs> Okay? Mm-hmm. All right. What else you got? Can you get a refund? refund? Yeah, what happens if? Okay. I mean, it's a terrible idea, right? To some extent, we're going to tell him, that's crazy. You You can't do that because he can't what? Can't afford it, right? That's where we immediately go. Can't afford it. But that's not the question the man asked himself. He didn't ask, can I afford it? He asked, is it worth it to me in both cases? And in fact, he could afford it if he sold everything he had, which seems insane unless it's worth it to him. Now, this next little part, I want to be very careful before I I talk about this and, and just say that I know there are some of us in the room And a lot of people around the world that wish we were living paycheck to paycheck because our paycheck doesn't make it to the next paycheck. So I understand that financial hardship is a thing. Okay? I get that. Okay? That being said, a lot of us throw the word afford around and we don't mean it. You know, we say I can't afford it and the reality is it's just not worth it to us. I was Years ago, I was talking to a friend uh, who was telling me about (laughs) this small group Bible study he was in and... His family was telling me how things were getting kind of tight around the house, and so they were going to um, have to stop their, their child sponsorship. If you're not familiar with this, like World Vision, Christian Relief Fund, these are different organizations where you can sponsor a child for like 30 35 bucks a month. My family's done it uh, for a long time. Um, and this friend of mine was telling me, this, pers- this, group, this family in their small group was like, yeah, we think we're going to have to unfortunately stop sponsoring our child. And my friend said before he could think I shouldn't say this, he said to them, are you still going to go to Starbucks six days a week? And they were ticked because he was right. <laughs> I mean, oh, we can't afford it. Well, I, I got an idea how you could save. I mean, it's, it's, it's so oftentimes, and I'm not saying for everybody, I know some of us are wishing we were living paycheck to paycheck, but oftentimes... It's not a question of what we can afford. It's a question of where we choose to spend our money, okay? And there's nothing wrong with Starbucks or Jit Joes. I like good coffee, too. Um, but it's just oftentimes it's where do we choose uh, to spend our money. This man could have said, oh, I can't afford those things, can't afford that pearl, can't afford that field, but he decided it was worth it to him, and you know, is it worth it to me? Is it, is it worth my money? Is it worth my time? And Jesus models this idea of it being worth, worth his time because Jesus is constantly slowing down and telling stories. I, I don't know how in the world Jesus didn't at some point just like lose his mind and be like, how are you idiots not getting this? Because he just is so patient, over and over and over again, and he keeps telling stories. That's what he did. Jesus asked questions, and he told stories. The stories are called parables, uh, and all a parable is is a story that's about uh, the kingdom of God. It's, um, it's they're all throughout uh, the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth, and that's what those uh, those two stories, the kingdom of heavens like a treasure, and the kingdom of heavens like a merchant. Uh, that's what they are. They are uh, they are they are parables. Now. The Jesus Storybook Bible does a really cool job unpacking these parables, so I want to read those to you now. Uh, The pictures will be up on the screen, so you can kind of feel like you're following along with me. Treasure Hunt is what this one's called. Still can't get over how good our new projector is. I mean, oh my goodness, wow. One day, Jesus was telling people about God's kingdom. God's kingdom is wherever God is king. Jesus told them it's wherever God's in charge. It's where he fills your heart up with his forever happiness, and you stop running away from him, and you love him. But sometimes people couldn't understand things very well, like all the time. Uh, So Jesus helped them by telling them stories called parables. Jesus said God's kingdom is like a hidden treasure. And then he told them this story. Once upon a time, there was a man working in a field, digging. So there he is digging. But what he doesn't know is that in that field, there's a buried treasure. So dig, 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 clink, clink, uh uh-oh. His shovel bumps into something hard. Hello, what's this? He picks it up, dusts it off. It's a chest. It's rusted and locked, but creak. He pries it open. What he sees inside takes his breath away. Beautiful, glittering, gleaming, twinkling, sparkling, precious jewels. It's a treasure chest. He wants that treasure. He needs to get that treasure. He must have that treasure somehow, even if he has to sell everything he has so he can pay for it. He quickly buries the treasure again, runs home and sells everything he has, takes the money from the sale and goes and buys that field. Now he owns the field and the treasure that's buried in it and those bones apparently, which is a little creepy for the Jesus story Bible. Anyway, uh, he runs back and digs up the treasure again. I don't know what they were doing there. Uh, Jesus said, coming home to God is as wonderful as finding a treasure. You might have to dig before you find it. You might have to look before you see it. You might even have to give up everything you have to get it. But being where God is, being in His kingdom, that's more important than anything else in all the world. It's worth anything you have to give up, Jesus told them, because God is the real treasure. See, the treasure comes at a cost to the man. I mean, he sells everything. But he's decided that it's worth it for him. He wants it. He needs it. He must have it. And so because of that, he decides it's worth selling everything. Likewise, Jesus says the kingdom comes at a cost. You might have to dig before you find it. You might have to look before you see it. So asking a few more questions. Am I willing to dig? Am I willing to look? Is it worth it to me? And maybe you think, well, yeah, but I don't really know like, where to dig or where to look. Well, if you're wanting to dig into the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God, you need to look no further than the Bible. Yep, this is the we need to read the Bible talk for the year. <laughs> Everybody's like, oh. Yes, I do this every year. Some years I do it twice. Um... Every single year, I do, I do a talk about this where I talk about a Bible reading plan, kind of pitch this plan to try to get us to read the Bible every single day. Okay, now before those of you that have heard these talks before tap out, like I'm out, stay with me because this one's going to be different. Yes, I'm going to pitch a plan, but there is going to be a, a substantial difference in just a little bit. So stay with me. Uh, the, the plan I am going uh, to pitch, I'm calling the Lent Gospels Reading Plan. Now, let me unpack some things here if you're like, what are those things? The Gospels are the four accounts of Jesus' time on earth, okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, named after the men credited with writing them. Lent is the 44 days that start next Wednesday on Ash Wednesday and proceed all the way uh, to April 6th, which this year is Monday Thursday, which is the day before Good Friday. Good Friday is when Christians remember Jesus' uh, death on the cross. A couple days later is Easter Sunday, remembering his resurrection. So Lent is kind of a holy season, and different church. Uh, Different churches, different denominations put different levels of emphasis uh, on Lent, but it's this time of of kind of preparation leading up to two really important days uh, for Christians, the day we remember Jesus' death and resurrection. Uh, Often people give up something for Lent. You'll oftentimes hear about people giving up chocolate or coffee. That's crazy, both of those. Um, But, (laughs) but, uh, you know, or maybe social media or something like that. Others oftentimes choose uh, to add something, so I want us... Uh, to add something. Okay, now here's the thing. There are all four accounts of Jesus' time on earth, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 89 chapters. Okay? There's 44 days, so a little bit of division. That's two chapters a day, and okay, the last day you've got to read three chapters. Okay? But it's basically two chapters uh, a day from next Wednesday uh, through April 6th. Now, if you've heard me do these talks before, what are some things I'm going to say next? try, okay? It's easy. It's, easy. it's, important. it's important. It doesn't take, that much time. doesn't take that much time. If you miss a day, you can catch up. If you miss a day, you can catch up. It's cool. <laughs> I have never said that, but I should have. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all of those different things are versions of me saying it's easy, but apparently, it's not, because pretty much nobody's ever completed any of the plants. So, <laughs> pr- pretty much. Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Spectacular. Um, now, there's lots of reasons for that that we're going to get to in just a little bit. Uh, But I think the biggest one, quite honestly, is uh, we don't understand the goal of Bible reading plans. I really think we don't understand the goal of Bible reading plans. And as the one presenting the plans, that's on me. Because I have either directly or indirectly uh, convinced us that the purpose is to finish. And it's not. The purpose isn't, isn't to finish. The purpose is to establish a rhythm of life for reading the Bible. Not a habit, a rhythm of life where you can't not read it. Where the idea of having to catch up never even occurs to you because you don't fall behind because you can't not read it. Because if you're one of these people who reads it first thing in the morning, you can't leave the house without reading it because your day is just out of whack. And you're out of rhythm. If you're a person who reads it late at night, you lay in bed tossing and turning trying to figure out why you can't go to sleep and you realize, oh, I didn't read. And then you get out of bed and you read. That's the purpose. is to establish a rhythm of life where you can't not do it, no matter what's going on no matter how much your routine's been thrown off, even if you're in Chicago in December and you've got a 6 a.m. flight because there's a blizzard coming, and so you're going to leave your hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning because you know security's going to be a nightmare, and so you're sitting on your hotel room floor at 2.15 in the morning with the light on in the bathroom and the, and the door to the bathroom cracked just enough that light's going over your Bible so you can read, but it's not enough light filling the room to wake up your family. What kind of a lunatic would do that? The same kind of lunatic who drove five hours back and forth to get Jack's hamburgers. Okay? No, don't, no, 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 no. no. Do not applaud because I couldn't not do it. I couldn't, I could not not do it because it's a rhythm of life, it's like my default setting. I typically read somewhere between four and five chapters a day, which you might think, well, that's easy. You work here, you take some time off, you know, you, t- you go sit on the porch and you read a little bit. No, I typically do my reading between 5.45 and 6.15 a.m. Okay, if you're like, wow, you're so disciplined. No, I'm not disciplined. That's why I have to do it first thing in the morning because I know I will not do it if I don't. Okay, now, no, I don't do it between 5.45 and 6.15 on the weekends. I'm not psycho. Um, <laughs> But whenever I do wake up, I, I read it, okay? Not because it's easy. I mean, honestly, at this point, it's that it's hard not to because reading is a rhythm of life. It's just what I do now, okay? It's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, not, it's the new factory setting. It's the default. You know, if I power cycle my device, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to have to do that. It doesn't take a lot of effort now, Because of the time and the energy and the effort I put into establishing it as a rhythm of life. Okay, it's not about catching up. Because when you catch up, then you're changing how much you read every day. I'm not saying you got to read the exact same amount. But that is part of the rhythm, is spending about the same amount of time. I get it. Four to five chapters of the Bible before the sun comes up seems crazy to most of us. But if you ask me, is it worth it? Yeah. It's worth it to me. Absolutely Yes. Because this rhythm of life of reading the Bible every day makes me a better Jesus follower, it makes me a better husband, makes me a better father, makes me a better pastor, makes me a better fill-in-the-blank than I would be if I didn't. I want you to very much hear this next part because I am not trying to be judgmental in any way, shape, or form. Me reading the Bible every day doesn't make me better than anybody, except the me I would be if I didn't read the Bible every day. Okay, I'm not saying because I read four or five chapters of the Bible every day that I'm better than you. I'm not. I'm better than the me I would be if I didn't do it. And if you'd do it, you'd be better than the you you would be if you didn't do it. It's it's just, it really is just that simple. I decided that, you know, Jesus says God's a treasure. He is. And the Bible is His word. So it's my treasure also. It's worth looking into. It's worth digging for. It's worth sacrificing for. It's worth it to me. Now, we're still going to do some of the same stuff that I typically do any time I pitch a, a Bible reading plan. There's a flyer around uh, in the bathrooms and other places, and on that flyer there's a QR code for a group me, and I'm going to share the group me later on tonight uh, because when we're reading things, oftentimes it helps to have that accountability of a group, and there's a reading schedule and, and all that. I mean, that's, that's a thing. But I'm not going to talk about how easy it is. Okay, I'm not going to do that. Because if I wanted to do a reading plan that was easy, I wouldn't do one that started a week and a half before spring break. Yeah, some of y'all just realized that. You're like, ooh, I was in until that. Mm, I don't know about that. Oh, I'll just catch up. No, don't catch up. <laughs> that defeats the point. <laughs> okay, it's not about catching up. It's about a rhythm of life. So if you start and then, you, and then spring break gets here and, you're, and it messes you up, okay, don't try to catch up. Just pick up where you left off. Okay, but I'm not going to talk about how easy it is, but I want to talk about instead why some, maybe many, maybe most, I don't know, maybe almost all of us are not going to do this. Let's just get real and just talk about why we're not going to do it. Um, One day last week, I asked, uh, or maybe two weeks ago, I lose track. I asked on Instagram, uh, why don't people read the Bible every day? Okay, that was the question I asked. Got about 26 responses. Um, all the responses pretty much fall into those four categories, which I'm going to unpack in just a second. Um, The interesting part was the Facebook on this day thing reminded me that six years ago I had asked the exact same question. Um, So I guess February is when I do this talk sometimes. Um, (laughs) uh, But it was interesting because some of the answers were very similar, but even six years later, every single answer fits into this category. And, he, and, and even all 26 of the answers uh, that I got uh, this time, they fit into this category. Time. I don't have the time. I'm too busy. All right, let me tell you something about the word busy. Busy is to time as afford is to money. It's not a question of what I can afford. It's a question of where I sp- choose to spend my money. It's not a question of how busy I am. It's a question of where I choose to spend my time. Okay, that's just true. Case in point, pull out your screen time app. I have that <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just going to leave that one alone. Um, <laughs> but the fact of the matter is, y'all, we find time for the things that are important to us. We find time for the things that are important to us. You know this. You absolutely know this. Okay, And if you want to know what I think of the word busy, picture the word busy in your head. Erase the U, erase the Y. That's what I think of the word busy. Everybody's like, uh-oh. I mean, that's just the truth, y'all. Busy has become this word that if you say it, oh, I, oh I, I, I can't, you're busy, I'm sorry. No. There's this wonderful scene in Friends where somebody asks Phoebe to help them with something, and she says, oh, I wish I could, but I don't want to. You know what we say instead of that? I'm busy. Okay, we're not too busy for the things that matter to us. Okay, well, the Bible maybe I have the time, but the Bible's hard to understand. I don't know where to start. Well, I'm telling you where to start. Start in Matthew chapter 1. Okay, start with the Gospels. Well, yeah, but I I do better reading in a group. There's literally going to be a group me. Yeah, but what if I have like a a question that I don't really want to ask in the group me? Well, on your way out of this room, look at the door on the left. You will see every staff member, every MA, every G A, and every uh, student intern. There's one of him, but that's okay. You will see our names and our phone numbers. Like our legit phone numbers. Okay? If you have a question about the Bible, text us. I love it when students and alums text me Bible questions. Okay? Nathan Reinheimer does it all the time. We have a blast. It's usually early in the morning. It's hilarious. It's like, we're old. Because we're like talking about the Bible at 6.45 in the morning. Um, but I, you know, I love it. It makes, if a student, you know, sits down at the, at the, uh, in the couch in the green office and says, hey, I was reading this. It makes my whole day. That's why we're here, y'all. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. And if you're like, well, the Bible's too hard. I get it. It's tough. I've read it before. I can try to help. I'm going to say, I'm going to have all the answers. Okay, but I don't have anywhere to go with my questions. That's just not true. You do. You literally have a door full of people that will help you if you want that help. Um, priorities. Kind of a lot like the time one, quite honestly. Now, initially when I was doing this, I thought I would end with priorities because the, you end with priorities when your question is, is it worth it to me? Because that's what priorities are all about. It's trying to figure out, is it worth it to me? Uh, I'm going to explain how we're going to end with the emotions one in just a second. But, I mean, priorities. Is it worth it to me? That's, that's just really the question. You know, I, one of uh, one of my favorite answers, one of the favorite responses that I got on the Insta was, honestly, there are more fun things to do. And I'm like, appreciate the honesty. At least she didn't say I'm busy. I mean, at least you're just honest about it. Um I would say if you think the Bible is not fun and entertaining, read Judges. Um, man, it's messed up, but it is, it is not dull, that's for sure. Um, but I, I want to hang out in this emotion section for a second. Um, because this was, um, yeah, this, this, was, this was tough to read some of these responses because I, I hurt for the people uh, that, that were brave enough and bold enough to share that, that parts of the Bible are painful to them. Uh, that parts of the Bible are hurtful that there are parts of the Bible that they wish weren't in there, and that the Bible has been uh, used as a weapon uh against them okay um, the idea of there be parts of the Bible that you wish weren't in there yeah there's parts I wish weren't in there okay there really are there are parts that I just wish weren't in there because it 's real it 's hard to read and it's really hard to to figure out and 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 reconcile um and I understand that, that the Bible has been used against a lot of people for as long as there's been a Bible. Okay, and I'm not going to try to explain that away or diminish that or anything. I mean, I'm going to apologize to you for that, okay, because I, I am sorry that it's happened to you. And if that has happened to you from me, please know it was completely unintentional. Uh, I hope you can forgive me, and if you want to talk to me one-on-one about that, I would be happy to. Um, but here's what I want to say about when people have used the Bible against you. they haven't used the Bible against you they've misused the Bible against you okay now the Bible is there to uh, to offer correction, but it's not there to be used against people to be used as a weapon okay it's it's not it's not meant to be used that. Way. that's why it is misused the Bible has been misused against. lot of people, but what I want to, and I realize there's emotion tied tied to this, uh, but I want to challenge us, if you feel like the Bible has been misused and so you have a hard time with it, understand that cars are misused and we still use those. Phones are misused, we still use them. The internet and social media are misused every second of every day. We still use those, okay? It's not fair to the Bible to throw it out and dismiss it completely because it's been misused against you. That is not in any way me trying to trivialize the hurt or minimize the hurt that people have caused you. But realize that people have caused you that hurt, not the Bible. So rather than the emotions push you away from the Bible, I want to encourage us to let emotion pull us into it. Which is where the last part of this part from the Jesus Storybook Bible Uh, comes in. You You may have noticed that I didn't read the whole part on the last page, but I'm going to read it now. God had a treasure too, of course, a treasure that was lost long, long ago. What was God's treasure? His most important thing, the thing God loved best in all the world. Well, God's treasure was his children. That's why Jesus had come into the world, to find God's treasure and pay the price to win them back. And Jesus would do it even if it cost him everything he had. See, the Bible is a story. And specifically, it's a love story. And the Gospels are just especially show God's love in the person of Jesus. The Bible's a love story. You're like, Donnie, there's there's horrible parts, there's painful parts, there's difficult parts. Every Hollywood love story has that. Every novel that's a love story has parts, and you're like, man, I wish chapter 7 wasn't in there. Or I wish this whole thing wasn't in there. It's still a love story. It's the story of how much God loves me and how much God loves you. And I don't mean y'all, I mean you. Okay, I have said this and I will continue saying this. It is not that God loves each of us because he loves all of us. Like, well, God loves everybody, so that means he has to love me. No, God loves each of us, and therefore, collectively, he loves all of us. God's love is individual. He loves you as a person. And the Bible is the story of that love. Why would we not want to read that every day? I'm going to go back to the Matthew 13 account because there's a a really subtle difference of these parables that I think is super important. And I think that Jesus' Storybook Bible actually combined the two uh, into their account. So again, these same verses but with different stuff highlighted this time. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. The last two verses are a great example of why you got to be very careful when you're reading the headings in your Bible. Because most headings call verses 44 through or 45 through 46 the parable of the pearl. And that's wrong. This is not about the pearl. It's about the merchant. Just like the parable above it isn't about the man, it's about the treasure. Oh, what's the difference? I think the difference is huge. Okay, because the purpose of a parable is to teach teaches about God and it teaches about God's kingdom. So see, the parable of the treasure tells us that the kingdom of heaven is worth working for and sacrificing for. The parable of the merchant tells us that God thinks we're worth working for. And we're worth sacrificing for. This is a huge difference, okay? This is a huge, huge difference. And I don't know if Brian Wallace is watching the uh, live stream, but if you are Thanks B, you taught me this a couple years ago. Um, this merchant finds this pearl, and he's basically holding this pearl in his hand if it's I know that's like that's huge for a pearl. Well, if he sold everything he had, it must have been a huge pearl. And the merchant basically looks at this pearl and asks himself, Is it worth it to me? And he says, Yes. You're the pearl. And God's the merchant. And he looks at you and says, Is this person worth it to me? God's already said yes. Now we're the man holding the treasure. Asking ourselves, is it worth it to me? And that's a question we have to ask ourselves every day. And if your answer right now is, I don't really know, I think reading the Gospels will help you get that answer. It will take some time. It will take some energy. It will take some effort. And the question you will ask yourself until it becomes a rhythm of life is, is it worth it to me? And I want you to pay very close attention To the fact that I didn't just ask, is it worth it? Because that's too general. That's too broad. This is not a question for us. This is a question for me and for each of us. Is it worth it to me? Okay, I think it is, but I can't make that decision for anybody but me. I will do everything I can to help you make this decision. I will do everything I can to eliminate whatever uh, reasons um, are holding you back. But, y'all, at the end of the day, it's your call. I am a better fill-in-the-blank because the rhythm of my life is reading the Bible every day. Okay? You will be, too. So may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all as we see that the Bible is worth the digging it will take to establish a new rhythm of life. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that, that we have it on our phones in like multiple translations and if we want to read it in a different language we can do that too, God. Thank you that Nobody's ever said the reason they don't read the Bible, nobody I've ever asked, says the reason they don't read the Bible is because they don't have access to one. Thank you that it is just so readily available. And God, I ask that you just forgive us of not using that and not taking advantage of that and instead just taking it for granted. God, thank you that you look at each of us and you say we're worth it. You say we're worth Jesus uh, leaving, leaving the heavenly throne room to come hang out on earth and to, to be the perfect example and to die just a horrific death, but then to the defeat death when you raised him. And thank you that we have that story and the entire story of your love for us uh, in the Bible. God, I pray I pray that starting next Wednesday, some of us who right now have no interest in doing this plan would decide we're going to do it. Uh, not to finish this plan, not to just do this, not, not to just read through the Gospels in you know, six weeks or so, God, but to, to establish a new rhythm of life, a rhythm where we can't not spend time every day in your word. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.